2 Timothy chapter 3, 12 through 14. Those are the main, that's our main text today, but I'm going to actually start this service at verse 10. Verse 10, 2 Timothy 3, start in verse 10, but our main focus will be 12, 13, and 14. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word today. It says this, beginning in verse 10, you, Timothy, however, know all about my teaching, the way, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystria, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men, and here it is, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, <coughs> continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Father, in these moments again, Father, that we come together today, speak to our hearts through your word. And God, help us today as we leave here today that we will be continue to be people of your book, not allowing deception to conquer our life and as a Christian be deceived by the evil that is out there. So Lord, I ask you for your power through your Holy Spirit. Speak to us. May your word never return void. Thank you that we can read it and that we can stand at attention. Thank you, Father, in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to share with you Deception ultimately contains detrimental consequences. Deception ultimately contains detrimental consequences. You know, as a believer in Christ, and as a pastor, and as a father, as a husband, it has, in my lifetime, uh, there have been moments where I have been deceived. And I hate to say that, um, and I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm vulnerable just like you and me, but there have been times where I've deceived other people, <laughs> where I've put on a, a, a mask, so to speak, and spiritually, or I, I uh, conned somebody into a piece of candy, or conned somebody into their lunch, or, and as silly as that sounds, you know, deception is a very dangerous tool of the enemy. And so this morning, I want to share with you about that, and we're going to look at three instances, or three, three simple words that, that um, how, what does deception involve, and how does it work, and then I want to give you just a simple plan on how you discern deception. So this morning, I want us to look at that, but first, I want to explain a couple of terms here that are, that's in this scripture, and by the way, today... Maybe you're going to learn a new word. I got a new word to share, part of my outline. Um, I did some even deeper studying and found a synonym, some different words that had to do with deception. So when I get to it, please, please help me out. Don't laugh at me, okay? Don't laugh at me. I got a new word. It, sound, it sounds really scholarly and um, um, all that good stuff. So when we get to it, um, we'll, we'll, I'll explain what it means. But it fits, it, it fits right into what I'm, what I'm discussing. 
So we're going to look at that in a moment. But let me give, give you a couple, of, a couple of definitions of some terms here in this passage because this, this is what deception is. Look back in the text. My text says in verse 13, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse. I want to look at those two words, evil men and imposters. And uh, first of all, that phrase, evil men, refers to this. Because when you study God's word, as you know, we look at words that in the, in the Greek or the Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, and you, on the surface, you know, sometimes the English translation doesn't really um, uh, explain real well the meaning of the terms. When we think of evil men, I don't know what comes to your mind, but this is what it means. It refers to malignant character and activity. Malignant character or activity. And you know what malignant is. Someone who has walked through cancer, you don't like to hear the term malignant. You would rather hear the word benign, but malignant, it, 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 it causes friction and causes um, um, issues. And so evil men here refers to malignant character. Their character is, is, is sinful. Their character is deceptive. Their character is, is used for bad instead of good. And so you need to know that today because there are certain deceptions out there that will certainly have detrimental consequences. And then imposters. You know what an imposter is. Um, it carries the meaning of sorcerer in this text. Any sort, of, any sort who perverts God's word. And this is what these people were doing here in this. And that's why Tim, uh, Paul instructed Timothy so well to avoid that. But when it does come, you will be able to expose their folly. For example, look back up, I guess up if you, in your Bible, back up a couple of verses. Go to chapter 3, go, to, go back up to, um, i tell you what, verse 4, I'm going to start there. But when you start here in chapter 3, you will notice that the context is godliness in the last days. There are, there are believers that believe, there are scholars that believe that we are living in the last days. In other words, well, what does that mean? That Jesus Christ is going to come back for his church. And that time could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be five years from now. But anyway, the Lord is coming back, but there are those that think that we fit biblically in these times. But it's amazing that, that if that is true, which I, I believe that any day, as, as, they did, as Jesus said in the New Testament in Acts, that, hey, I, I'm coming back. He could come back today. He could come back at this very moment. But he says there that, that back, even back then, over 2,000 years ago, these, these books and these uh, uh, chapters were written by Paul uh, Pat, uh, and after Christ and, and those that knew Christ, but it still applies today as it, as it applied then. They had people that opposed the men and women of God that basically opposed Jesus Christ. Opposed Jesus because he said there, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Jesus said that you will be persecuted because of me, because of him. So we must expect that. But I want you to notice Janez and Jambres. Look back up. But let me go back here in verse 4, though. Treacherous, rash, conceited. This is, he said, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And he goes to this long list of, of the different types of people. Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. Let me just tell you, that is deception. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. 
And he says in verse 6, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. That is someone who is a deceiver, an imposter, evil men. And he says this, just as Janez and Jambres opposed Moses... So also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds who, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Janez and Jambres, these men opposed Moses. You will not find their names in the, in the Old Testament, but according to Scripture, they were there and they sought to deceive Moses, deceive Moses and the people out of when they left Egypt, when they were, Pharaoh said, let my, or Moses said, let my people go, and Pharaoh let them out, and they were on their merry way, going through the desert, all that. They still had people that complained and whined and bickered about, about what God was doing and following Moses and following God, and these two guys especially were deceivers and tried to deceive Moses and the people of Israel from doing what God had asked them to do. That's what a deceiver does. Matter of fact, that's what Satan does even right now. Satan hates you. I've told you this before. I will continue to say it again. Satan hates you. He hates me. He hates this church. He hates the family of God. He, is, he masquerades as an angel of light. He is a deceiver. And this is what these people, Janez and Jambres, sought to do. They were not of God. They followed wickedness. They followed the plans of the evil one. They followed their merry hearts, and they sought to deceive. And ultimately, their detrimental consequences is that they're in hell. They're in hell because they never return to the truth. You're not led to believe that. You're not led to believe that they did because of just the way these names here appeared here in God's word, here in Timothy. Obviously, Paul, through God's inspiration of his Holy Spirit, brought these men's names to remind. But listen to the name. Listen to what Janez means. It means he who seduces. Isn't that interesting? That up there above that text that we have just read, Paul is encouraging young Timothy, don't be deceived. There will be evil men. They will go from bad to worse. Not from bad to good, but from bad to worse. We live in days just like that. We have evil men, women, evilness going from bad to worse. But he said, take heart though, their folly will be brought out. And by the way, everything will be brought to the light. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, we must constantly daily be reminded of God's word to keep from being deceived by what we hear from from spiritual scams, you know, there are scams that go on today, especially in our senior adult age bracket, where men and women get deceived over certain phone calls or get conned out of money, uh, conned out of stuff that you hear. When we get calls like that, and I'm sure you do too, because we've, we've learned from other people's experience that when starts to get these certain calls that come in and they want something, we just immediately just say no. But what I'm saying is, too, is that we, it, you know, people can easily be deceived by the enemy, and it has detrimental consequences. Janez and Jambres. Jambres means he who makes rebellion. That is what his name meant and what he did. He sought to deceive. We must be like Moses and be like Timothy and be like Paul, be like a believer and make sure. And I'm going to share with you and show you. So how does 
deception work and what does deception involve? The first thing is this. The first L is this, is lying. Lying. Satan is the what? The father, I heard it, somebody said it. The father of lies. Let me ask you a question. You can nod your head or you can, you can mumble or you can actually say yes or no or whatever. But let me ask you a question. How does it feel when you've been lied to? You don't have to answer. I mean, you can just nod your head. You know? How does it feel when you've been lied to? And as a parent, as a parent, I shared the first service. I'll share this. We told our boys at a very young age, look, Whatever, and you don't, you know, you you pray and ask God to to, uh, bring your children up, and we do our best to parent. But we've always taught Si and Eli, look, always tell us the truth. If there are major consequences, you just have to face major consequences for something that's going to happen. But don't come to your mom and I and lie to our face. You know, it doesn't feel good to be lied to, does it? It doesn't. When someone lies, straight out lies to you, you know, think about how that makes you feel. Well, that's what a deceiver does. Someone who is deceptive brings lies. And you're going to see what happens here, a consequence of one couple that lied before God. So let's look at just how the Scripture explains it. A couple of verses here. You do not have to turn to it, but write these down. Psalm 34, 13 is one. So I'm going to turn to it because I want to read. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm going to give them to you. But let me go ahead and do that while you're since you're, Psalm 34, 13, Romans 1, 25, John 8, 44. That's the one that says that Jesus said Satan is the father of many lies. John 8, 44, Romans 1, 25, uh, Psalm 34, 13 that I'm going to read here right now. It says, keep your tongue, listen carefully, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Matter of fact, I didn't, the verse, I just says, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. But he says, keep your lips from speaking lies. And let me just go a little bit further. Gossip. I don't have time to spend time on that today, but man, gossip really does get really connected to lying. But he says there, he says, lie, not telling the truth, it's evil. But look, but I want you to turn to this one. Acts chapter 5, verse 4, write that one down. Acts chapter 5, matter of fact, I'm going to begin in verse, verse 1. But look at this. I want you to see and praise God that God, for whatever reason, during this New Testament time, I praise God that, that man, just, re, just being as transparent as I can, I tell you what. I must admit, there's been times where I've probably been a part of what Ananias and Sapphira have done. The, the, the issue, the main issue of this text, they deceived, they, were, they didn't tell the truth. And thank goodness you, that God didn't take you home the moment you lied the first time. <laughs> if you ever, you know, we, we say that we've never lied before, but we stretch the truth. All of us have, we're human. But I want you to see something here. It says in verse 5, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With, this, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. What they were doing, just on the, top, the, the surface here, is that Ananias and Sapphira were showing off in a way they were 
looking good on the outside, but on the inside they had fallen to deception and they had fallen into, into pleasure. They had fallen into greed. They had fallen into their own sinful way. And they fell into this trap and they, they kept money back. It says, with this full, wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have what, church? If you're, if you're following along, lied. Wow, lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. Wow. That's a pretty severe consequence right there in the church family. Hey, it happened. It's true. Man, I praise God for the grace of God. Do you? I'm telling you. Man, listen. Deception has detrimental consequences. Those who lie will be found out. There are people that are habitual liars. They continue to lie to make themselves look good. But man, I'm not, you know, I, I point a finger, I got three pointing back at me. I let God's word do the judging, but I'm telling you, lying, deception, you know as well as I do, you can't stand to be lied to. But do we lie to God? These two people did. In the matter of giving, I'm not going to go through all that today. I've told you before, man, one of the things I fear the most is to quit tithing. I feel like if I quit tithing, God's going to take me out. Take me out. <laughs> That's just me. That's just me. I don't want to rob God. And, and, and I do my best by His grace with those things. But man, lying. They lied straight to Him. That's what deception is. And it has detrimental consequences. So keep that in mind. The second word is this, is luring, is luring. I told the first service that I wish I would have brought my, um, my, some of my fishing stuff. You know, I have a rod, reel, and baits, and, and that's what a bait does. When you go fishing, your, the object is to lure that fish. That's why they call them lures, by the way, plural, that's why they call them lures is so that when you cast that lure out is that it will lure a fish into biting that, but the fish has no idea there's a hook in it. And that unless you're a pro fisherman or someone like that, they have what they call catch and release. They catch them and then they release them back. But some of us, we don't catch and release and therefore you harvest those, those fish and you like to eat them. The fish pays the price is what I'm trying to say. But luring, but let me put it another way. How, do many of you know in here how an Eskimo harvests a wolf? This is one of my favorite. I use this in youth ministry. It's way older than me. But Eskimos, what they do to catch, kill a wolf is this. This is fascinating. And I don't mean to sound gross. So if you have a weak stomach, just bear with me. Just don't, you know, do something in here. But what they do is, is they get like a, a machete, long knife, like, you know. I even thought about bringing a machete today, but I didn't want to scare anybody. But seriously, they get a machete, and what they do is they harvest an animal, and they get the blood. 
And what they do is they get that machete and they dip that, that long knife or whatever, I call it machete, and they dip it in blood. And you know, in Alaska, it's not real warm. So what they do is they get that knife and they let it sit out and it freezes to the knife. They get it again and they go back and they put another coat of blood on that knife, take it out, let it freeze, put it back again, however many times they do it. And what they do is they go to this secluded place or whatever where they think the wolf is going to be and they'll place that object into the snow or on the ground, into the ground, and it will sit there during winter and then the, the wolf does what? The wolf smells it, right? Because wolves like blood. They, they're hungry. And, and what they do is they'll go and they'll go to that knife, wherever that is placed, and they will begin to lick it. And you know what happens when warmth hits coolness and the blood, it starts to what? Melt. And when it starts to melt, that wolf licks that machete. And all the while, He's slicing his tongue while he's licking the blade. Not only is he licking the blood of the animal, but he doesn't realize that he's licking his own blood, and he bleeds to death, and he dies. Because the wolf has been lured and deceived. Now listen to me. I know that sounds gross, and it is, but that's just, that's just life. That's just, I mean, you, you people go shoot deer and, you know, I mean, all this stuff, lure deer, turkey, whatever you want to call it. But let me tell you something. Satan, the father of lies, baits you every day and baits you and me in our walk with life, with your family, with the God's people, God's church. God, I mean, Satan hates God, hates this church. Hates this church for what it even exists for. Hates this church for even loving people. Hates this church. And if you're not careful, you can buy into gossip. You can buy into lies and you can start a faction in the church. You can start a faction in your family. Because why? Because just like Janez and Jambrez here in the scripture, they fought God. And you see, go through those, you, you can go through it. And just like we learn on Wednesday nights, we're going through Exodus. Brother Don's taking us through Exodus. And you see people that were opposed to following God's will, doing God. And it can happen even in the church. And Satan can even deceive believers to, to gossip, to, to ramble. I mean, on and on it goes. You get the point. But they, you're being lured into being deceived. Let me show you how Scripture says it. Turn to James chapter 1 for a moment. James chapter 1. He can deceive you in your marriage. He, 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 deceives, he deceives every night on TV. I mean, you see the world has been deceived by the evil one. That's why you have so many different religions. That's why you have so many. But let me show you what, what um, Satan uses is why God can never be tempted. But this is what temptation does. And I like, instead of saying the word in temptation, and I'm not adding to God's word, but I just want to put the word deceive in there for a moment because that's what temptation does. And especially when you fall into temptation and you commit the act, there are consequences for that, and you become disciplined by God. And this is what it says. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be, what? Tempted by evil. Get that. God cannot be, and we don't have time to go much into it today, but God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. I hope you got that right. And the only one that, who tempts you is Satan and, and sin and the, 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 the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. God doesn't tempt anyone. He tests you, but he doesn't tempt. But each one is 
here it is. Each one is tempted. Listen, listen to the language of this. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, because we're by, sinful, we're by nature sinful, his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. See, I think of that with that, that terminology while I go, I was describing with that wolf. That's, I mean, that's, you know, there have been people that have been killed up north because they just went hiking and vicious wolves attacked them. And I look at it as, as this, this sin, this temptation. It's like a wolf. It's like it's got the teeth there ready to chomp on you. And he says this, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's what it means to be lured. That's the scripture. Deception ultimately contains detrimental consequences. We've seen that. Number three, and here's this big time word, all right? You ready for it? You ready for it? Here it is. I found this this week. I'm proud of myself. Ledger domain. Oh, yeah. A big word, isn't it? Some of you are like, what? That word right there is a true word. Ledger domain. By the way, has anybody even heard of that in here? Okay. Sam Mabry taught me how to say it, <laughs> how to say it. He had heard of it. He told me how to say it. But ledger domain is this. It means sleight of hand. What do card players do when they cheat? They have a sleight of hand, don't they? Con artists, people who steal money for a living, have a sleight of hand. Magicians, magicians have a sleight of hand, don't they? When, they? when they try to show you a trick, they use their hands. That's why deception, deceive. Now, I'm not here to go off on, on, a, on, a, on a magic right now. But anyway, there, I mean, it's, you know, there's some good things that you can learn, but especially spiritually. But it's a sleight of hand. This is what it means. It means craftiness and trickery. Maybe you've heard of its, its synonym, hocus pocus. You remember that? I remember I used to go around, hocus pocus, you know. But ledger domain is a sleight of hand. Let me show you this from Scripture. And you've heard this before, but turn to Genesis chapter 3. This is what Satan does. This is what Satan does. And by the way, the reason I got that word is I couldn't figure out a third L. You know, a pastor's got to have three points in a poem, right? He's got to have that. So that's why when I looked and I studied and I got that book out and Allison and Cindy is thesaurus. Did I get that right? Did I say that right? I said it right that time. Thesaurus. You know, have you ever heard of a word? It's like a book. And it's got all these words with different synonyms and what they mean. And as a pastor, it's very helpful. Did I say that right? Some of you are smiling. Thank you, Allison. Because I said it wrong the first service and I got laughed at. Just like Cindy, that giggle right there. That's right. But I own one of those books. It's really cool. It's like a dictionary. Y'all know what it is. Y'all are a lot smarter than me. But anyway, that's where I got that word ledger domain, all right? Just help me out. Just enjoy it and move on with it, okay? I'm proud of myself. But anyway, but let me show you from Scripture, in all seriousness, let me show you what's not funny. And this is what we fall prey to. You know the story. I believe everyone in here does. It says in verse 1 of chapter 3, now the serpent was more what? Crafty, ledger domain. He was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, 
Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat it, excuse me, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. God never said they couldn't touch it. Even Eve was led astray in even knowing, remembering what God said because Satan was more crafty. And God, Satan said, you will not surely die. But you know the rest of the story. She took the fruit, she ate it, gave it to Adam, who was standing right there next to her, took it, and, they found, and then that's when sin was born. Why? Because of the sleight of hand. Listen to me. Because of the sleight of hand of Satan. Because he was crafty. And this is why, by God's grace, that we live the Christian life and we seek to live a Christian life and we seek to be godly people. But you know what? And, and, and don't say you won't ever do anything. Don't ever say and don't ever make fun of somebody that somebody else that has fallen deeply into sin and because it can happen to you and it can happen to me. But we try our best to see by God's grace to live out the Christian life, live by obedience and live for him. And it's tempting when we want to say things and say negative things and say certain things and we fall in. But listen, Satan is very crafty. But by God's grace, living for him, you can avoid all of these things. You can live the Christian life, and you can avoid lying, luring, and leisure domain. You can, you can know what, when Satan tries to bring in that sleight of hand and someone's trying to trick you. But think about all the people in this world that have been deceived by Islam, by Mormonism, by Buddhism. By all these different, why? Because Satan has lied to him, he's lured him, and he's also been a part of ledger domain. He has sleight of hand, crafty. Okay, here's the good news. How do we discern deception? How do we discern deception? Let's get this and we're done. Number one is this. We as the church, the body of Christ, we must always realize that we are in spiritual warfare. We realize we as the church are in spiritual warfare spiritual warfare. We must not deceive ourselves into thinking that, we're, that we are not. We are constantly, in, and you read Ephesians chapter 6, church family, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the evil in the, in the high places. But in Ephesians chapter 6, it discusses that about putting on the full armor of God. Let me give that to you, Ephesians chapter 6. Here it is. Right up above that was stuff about children obeying your parents and, and uh, masters and their slaves and, and things that we're all slaves to Christ and, and all of that. And then he gets into, finally be strong in the Lord, put on the full armor of God, because, because he says, so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We must realize that we are in spiritual warfare. And there in Ephesians chapter 6, you can put on the full armor of God daily to be careful of the arrows that Satan throws at you spiritually to know and discern when deception comes. Number two, we as the church must be doctrinally sound. We must preach and we must continue to teach the Word of God. Where our lesson today in Sunday school, we were talking about the virgin birth of Christ. There are... Well, if you know the story in the Bible, you know that the Jews tried to cover that up as well as Jesus' Jesus's, uh, resurrection. 
saying it's a myth and it did not happen. Those men, and, and, and there are those that, that on the virgin birth, there are even men, there are even men, scholars, supposed godly scholars that want to water down the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That that really didn't happen. Even Catholicism gets into that, about the virgin birth and about Mary, um, saying that Mary, saying that Mary didn't, was a virgin all throughout her life, a perpetual virgin all the way throughout her life is what I learned this morning. And, and that's not true. She had children. I mean, even, I mean, all kinds of stuff, myths and things about the virgin birth. And here we're coming up close to Easter here in just a few weeks that we celebrate once, uh, the, well, Every, all throughout, our, our faith is built on that, but we highlight it during Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Satan, even to this day, is trying to. It's just a myth. It's not true. It's not, but that is foundational to our faith, virgin. But we must be doctrinally sound, the things of the Bible that we know. And then thirdly, thirdly is this. I encourage you with this. Our temple, our body, this vessel that we live in, is to honor the Lord with purity, holiness, and obedience. When you live that life and you apply these things to your life and your, as your body, your, the Scripture says your body is the temple of God, your vessel, you're living for God, you're in that sanctification process of being developed as a Christian daily, we must be aware of the deception that's out there. Be very careful because, but here's the good news, be very glad and very grateful that you have Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit to keep us on our path. Amen? Amen. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, so much for the truth of your word. And Father, I stand here today just in a way as a grain of sand because, Lord, in my life, um, Lord, I... You demand obedience. You demand my, my righteousness just as filthy rags before you. Every, anybody, our, our goodness is just like filthy rags. But, Lord, people can find things in all of our lives. We're, not, we're human. We're imperfect. But, God, may we continue to live the life and not be a deceiver and not be deceived. Because, God, the world out there wants us to cut corners. Wants, and that's hard. I know that they're in our business or with our family or... Lord, whatever it may be, but, but God, help us to be sound doctrinally in the Word, to know your Word, to not fall prey to the deception that's out there in all issues of life. So, Lord, I love you, and I thank you today, and thank you for this time. And If you're here today and do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't be deceived, because the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Have you been saved today? Have you been saved by the gracious blood of Jesus Christ? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? What about your, if you're a believer, what about your life? Is your life consistent with Scripture? Is your life consistent? Not, and listen, understand that God's grace is there. Yes, it, He is. And, you know, none of us are perfect. But I'm not talking about that. But do you love, do you, I mean, this is an oxymoron, but if you say you're a believer but you love sin and don't want to repent, man, I get to question your salvation, friend. But if you're a true believer and you, you know their struggle is real, right? we deal with things each day in our walk. But let me ask you something. Is your life lying today? 
do you, do you live by one set of standards here at church? And I know that's an old cliche, but does, do you live by another set of standards outside of? What about your parents? Do you have a certain standards as teenagers or as college students today? Do you have a certain standard you live by around your parents and then when you're not around your parents? See, here's the thing. You, you can't fool God. Nobody can. Or maybe God's calling you to be a part of this church. You've been visiting for a while, and maybe today's the day that you come and Unite yourself with this local body of believers. Whatever your decision is today, I'm here at the front. You can come and pray with me. You can come and talk with me.